Welcome back to Workwoman. Today is going to be a fun one because we are talking about the super sexy topic of how to conduct a one-on-one. You might be thinking, why the frick are we talking about one-on-ones? What is a one-on-one? And why is it so important? Well, let's just dive on in. For transparency, uh, one-on-ones in the Cardone Ventures organization is so important that none of our leadership team receives any incentive compensation unless they have had a one-on-one twice a month with every team member that reports directly to them. Let me repeat myself. No Cardone Ventures leadership team receives their incentive compensation, even if they hit their targets, they do not receive their incentive compensation unless they have completed a one-on-one two times a month with every team member that reports directly to them. Now, there are so many questions that can spawn from that, and I can hardly wait to get you to ask these questions, but I want to make sure that you guys understand how serious this isn't just like, oh, use this one-on-one form to engage your team members. Like, no, we take this so incredibly seriously because everything falls apart if you don't. The whole mechanism behind the business, the metrics, the PPF process, personal, professional, and financial goal planning process, the development plan, all of these different things that we have as touch points. I talk a lot about this, these cultural touch points in our organization. It all falls down if a manager is not meeting with their team member about these specific things in an organized fashion. So if you're watching this, um, you can see this People Essentials Workshop book. This is one of like 29 activities in here that we dive so deep into during the People Essentials Workshop. I teach this for two straight days. We have some coming up in Dallas, Texas. Did I say that with the right Texas accent? Texas. Texas. I'll work that out. Uh, Dallas, we have two events coming up, one in February, one in March. They are incredible. This is everything that I have spent all of my energy creating in one place. And it's a time where you ask questions. We work through your employee issues, your team issues, your metrics, how you're hiring, how you're firing, how you're onboarding, all of that. Uh, so this is this is a, a big piece of this, um, but it's only one of the many, many things that we work through in order to create a people process because ideally you're learning how to create a high performance team. You don't just want any team. You don't just want to hire people who will do the job. You need to set your intention that you are creating a high performance team. And this is one of the ways that you put this structure, this touch point into the organization. So let's get going. One-on-one meeting template. At the top of this meeting template has the employee's name, the manager's name, what the department is, and the date. Even if you are small right now, tip, you need to build your business as a big business. Departments matter. Even if you have two departments, start labeling and using those departments properly and using things that, again, feel like they might be scalable or too far out for you now so you don't have to change and rework the process. This scales, employee, manager, department, date. One of the reasons that we are so formal about this is all of these one-on-ones get submitted to HR because it allows our 
team the accountability for when we're holding people accountable to their metrics that I'll get into in a second. But all of a sudden, if you can show documentation that you've had multiple conversations about this is the metric, this is the underperformance of that metric, this was the plan, and none of these things are taking place week after week, then there's no issue with you terminating somebody because you've been so clear about what the process looks like. If you're not clear and then you just fire somebody, in some states, depending on where you are, uh, you can absolutely find yourself in a lawsuit or claim with a team member or past team member due to why you fired them. So this protects the organization as much as it is a mechanism inside the organization in order to enhance and create the culture that you're looking to create. So with that, first piece, actions taken. So I have to say the last piece in order to have the first piece make sense. So actions taken, there's a question under this that says, what action have you taken since our last one-on-one? The very last component of the sheet is action plan. So what are the steps and actions I will take after this meeting? These are all of the things that the team member writes down and commits to based on the feedback and what was worked through um, during the one-on-one conversation. So you start the next meeting with what are the actions that have been taken so that you can tie out this is what was said, this is what was done. This should be fairly straightforward. Uh, One thing that I do want to mention is the team member is responsible for sending this document ahead of the one-on-one meeting. So I don't fill this out for the team members. They fill it out. They send it to me the day before so that I can review. It's so important to be able to prep and understand what type of conversation you're going to be having with a team member. If they're off on their metrics, you do not want to wait until the moment that they're in your office or you're having a virtual Zoom meeting where they've said, this was the metric, I've fallen short. Like that should not take you by surprise in that moment. You should know, okay, this is what happened. This is where they're at. You can double check that information as well so that in the meeting you were using that so incredibly constructively. This is also why we don't have you do them every week. Like this is a concerted minimal 15 minutes. And I say minimal because the fastest I've ever gone through one of these was like 17 minutes. Minimally 15 minutes. You should target 30 to get through all of these things. But you are being so intentional about how this team member who has chosen you, chosen this organization as the place to be coached in, as the place to be led in, as the place to have opportunity through, to be able to really structure time so that they can improve performance, and they can enhance their skill set to drive value to your organization. If you're not doing this at this level of frequency or at this amount of intention, the question isn't why is your team not motivated or not doing the things you want them to do? The question becomes why are you not investing what you need to invest in your organization in order to make sure that people have the right amount of feedback? So with that, um, actions taken, very straightforward. They've either done the things that they committed to or they haven't done the things. If they haven't done them, hold them accountable. They said that they were going to do this. If they don't do it, they better have a good reason why. And if they do it, awesome. That's great. That's what the the whole thing is intended to do. So the next section is the metrics. So how am I performing relative to my metrics? This begs the question, does every single team member in your organization have a metric? If they don't have a metric in place, then this portion becomes very difficult to fill out. This enforces and puts the pressure on you to get them to a place where they do have metrics. 
every single week or every other week if you're having a conversation and you still haven't figured out the key performance indicator or the metric that that position is driving, you are setting that role up for failure. This also comes out for us in our all-team meetings. Many clients don't want to do an all-team meeting because the business isn't structured or organized in a way that makes sense to be able to really lead an all-team meeting in a constructive manner. The idea behind putting that in place would be to shorten the time frame for you to figure it out. Like take the time out of the equation. When I say and set the expectation because I know it's the right way to do it, this is important. Every team member has a metric and I put this process in place. All of a sudden, I'm holding myself as a leader and as the business accountable. Some team members come on board with us and they don't have clear metrics from the start. It's a new position. This especially happens with businesses that scale and grow. It is okay to have a period of time in which the team member is doing onboarding and working through certain things, but you cannot hold them accountable to a set standard of performance if you haven't defined what it is. It sounds so basic and so like, I almost feel like I'm preaching at you, which is never my intent, um, but it's it's the truth. Like you, you just, you have to put this in place and to the extent you're going to keep putting it off, make this be the thing that forces you to do it because then the team is equally holding you accountable. And some of those moments that you can create where the team is holding you accountable to something, I do this all the time because it gets my lazy ass up and makes me put a process in place that I don't want to document. Speaking of getting my lazy ass up, if you haven't checked out last week's podcast about the four ways to motivate your lazy ass, you should definitely check it out. It was episode 26. Um, But back to metrics. Uh, How am I performing relative to my metrics? This is their chance to say and acknowledge either I'm performing, I'm underperforming, and the next section ties into what should be done about that. So if they're performing, not a problem. All things are a go. Everything's moving forward. That role is tight. If they are not performing to the metrics, the next section has three columns to it, but it's still one section. The columns state updates and ideas. So the question underneath that, just to give more context, is what areas need to be addressed? What ideas do you have? And then rank in order of priority and urgency. That's column one. Column two is responsibility. And the question there becomes, who is responsible for achieving these actions? And then the third column is any notes. So let's walk through this. Updates and ideas. What areas need to be addressed? This is a place for your team to come to you with any plan that they might have to fix their metrics if their metrics are off. If their metrics aren't off, but they notice and see an area of the organization that could be optimized and hear me when I say this, I am certain that there are a hundred places in your organization that could have some sort of process or some sort of optimization. So there should never be a shortage of areas of opportunity that your team members identify in their day-to-day working with you. If they are not having updates and ideas, specifically the ideas piece, as long as their metrics are completed, right? Metrics are first, updates and ideas are second. If the metrics aren't going, we don't continue to move through this form unless we address what's going on with the metrics. But if that's all good, top performers need a place to be able to say, okay, here are my ideas for how we can make changes to things. You only trust somebody to make changes to something if they are able to prove that they can hit the metric or the target or the key performance indicator that's been established. I never take ideas from a team member about how to do something in a new and different way if I already know that there is somebody in this role who's been able to create a result and that team member isn't able to mimic that same thing. 
because just going off and creating randomness based on someone's idea that they haven't actually been able to solidify themselves, it, it's, it's not a way to run a business. And so updates first, then ideas. The second piece of why this description is so important, rank in order of priority and urgency. You have 30 minutes. This is not a time to go through an hour and a half brainstorm session of all the things that could work differently. I will never forget the, t- the, the time I learned this lesson. I had a my very first, my second boss when I worked at Audigy Group. I was preparing for a meeting with Brandon, and this was before Brandon and I had a relationship. I was preparing for this meeting because we had this big event coming up. And my supervisor at the time said to me, have a list of everything that you want to talk about and then any additional items and rank them in the order of most important to least important. Because I just would have gone in there and been like, okay, here's one thing and then here's the next thing and then here's another thing, like just rambling it off. Forcing your team to make things go in the order of importance indicates to them that you might not have the time as the leader or as an executive or as their boss, whatever role you are, to go through everything. They might have 20 ideas. It is not on you to be able to go through all 20 of them. So what are the things that absolutely have to be addressed right now today if we were only able to touch on one thing? What would be the second thing? If we only had time for three things, what would be the third thing? You have to put that in your culture or else the meeting time just expands and people just pontificate. No time for that. First thing, second thing, maybe if we get to a third thing, great. Fourth thing, awesome. But if you if you train that into the culture and put touch points like this in place, it will conform everybody to do that. And that is the most efficient way that you should be spending your time because now that I've learned that, that's how I prep everything. First things first. Second things, if we get there, are fine. But you know just as well as I do that one of the hardest things to do is to prioritize your time. And if you aren't so stringent about this and you're not putting that environment in place with your team, you will feel like everything is chaotic and everybody has an idea and nobody knows what the main thing is. Do yourself a favor, keep the main thing, the main thing, and teach your team how to do that as well. So on to that responsibility column. This is also very important. Uh, there is so much experience that has been put into these questions and they're not just there for um, explanation's sake. They're there in order to avoid something that we know can go wrong in business cultures. For any update or idea that your team is bringing to the table outside of what is already their responsibility in their metrics, it is their responsibility to say who is responsible for achieving these actions. In our environment, we are not going to allow somebody to let's say they're a marketing manager and they are um, irritated that our check-in process at our events uh, is not what it could be because they went to an event once and they had this really cool virtual check-in process with QR code that just was really super fast and great. Okay, if it is not your responsibility and you are not going to take responsibility because it has nothing to do with your job, Uh, don't put it on this list. Now, there can be things that somebody can give an update or an idea around, but it's being super crystal clear and intentional that I'm not just going to make a list of all the things that somebody else's team needs to go do or that somebody else needs to do, or even worse, and this is what happens more often than not, this is not a, a list that I'm going to make to then transfer over to you as my manager, as my boss. 
Like this is mostly things that I can do that I'm going to take on. It is not, oh, these are all the things that's wrong. And here's all of the list of the things that you need to go fixed. And this is why this place sucks. Because I know you've had one-on-ones like that. And it's likely one of the reasons that you don't want to do one-on-ones. Because as soon as you meet with your team, you have a whole big list of all of the things that you need to go fix. That's not how it works. You have given your team the opportunity to fix things and to be able to demonstrate their thinking while they are doing they demonstrate their thinking by putting this on their on the list, and then you track the doing by whatever action was taken in order to achieve this. Okay, next up. Personal, professional, and financial goals. For any of you who have been through a 10X 360, you know that this is a piece of our process uh, at Cardone Ventures where we work through the personal, professional, and financial goals of all of our team members. And we have them write these things down so that we can track them and that they can make progress on them, that they can figure out the plan and the steps needed in order to achieve the things that they've said that they want to accomplish. This area is for the team member to fill out updates that they have made. If they are not making updates on their goals, what does that say? What does that indicate to you? The things that are the most important to them that they have identified through the PPF process, if they are not using this to say, this is where I'm making progress. This is where I'm stalled and use this time strategically. Why are you delusionally thinking that they are in their homes, working from home, eight hours a day fighting for your goals when they aren't willing to put the energy and effort into putting action behind the things that they want and their goals? It doesn't make any sense. So this to me is a is the ultimate barometer and check into Are they taking this seriously? Are they taking themselves seriously? Because if they're not taking themselves seriously, I know there's no way that they're taking this department, this role, this business as seriously as I am and as they could be. So that's my indicator like, okay, what type of coaching, what type of mentoring and motivation do they need? Again, you have to check out the last episode because it was all about how you use motivation when someone is stalled. And these PPF goals are a critical component of that. Last but not least, uh, well, there's two other things. I guess we kind of talked about action plans earlier. The development plan. The next section is the development plan. And I will do a podcast soon about the performance review process. But the development plan ties out to the performance review process. So in a performance review, I give myself feedback as an employee and the manager gives me as an employee feedback. Then from there, in order to duplicate to make sure that we are hearing each other correctly in what can be improved, we have a process in place called a development plan. So we have the team member targets four to six areas where they are going to laser focus on their own development in order to get the skill set that they need in order to get to the next level in our organization. This also ties out to our employee maturity model. We're going to talk about that in a future episode as well. But this development plan is similar to the PPF process in that, okay, if I've said that I am a little insecure about my public speaking skills and I get really nervous and flustered, it causes me to um, give clients a bad experience or to not be as confident as I want to be with the team. If I've identified that and then also through the development plan process said, okay, I'm going to commit to Toastmasters. I'm going to do it twice a month because... You know, I'm busy, but this is something that's important to me. February rolls around, the third one-on-one of the year, and they have not gone to any Toastmasters all through the month of January and now starting February. How serious are they about their development and getting to the next level in the organization? I mean, it, it kind of goes without saying, but these these pieces that you're putting in place are saying, 
I hear that you want to go here. We've decided on these plan, this plan and these steps that it's going to take in order for you to get there. Go do that and let me be here to coach you when you come up against barriers. But if you're not willing to put the energy in, like I can't make you a better public speaker. I can't force you to get those reps in. I can't, I can't do the things that you need to do in order for you to get to where you want to go. So this is the ultimate form of accountability for that. And the last piece is the action plan, which we talked about a little bit before. So after this meeting, after the 30 minutes, what are the specific things that are going to get done between now and the time that we have our next meeting in two weeks from now so that we can follow up? Next piece is an employee signature and a manager signature. And then you file it away and you rinse and repeat over and over and over again. And I promise you one of the most rewarding things of being a business owner or being a leader is watching your team use this process, enjoy the process of being measured, being tracked, having these these really tangible things that they can go do in order to improve themselves, and then experience a breakthrough to get them to that next level. This process works. We have used it time and time again. I highly encourage you, if you aren't already doing one-on-ones, do them commit to them. You do them first as the leader, and then you roll it out with your teams. And then once you've rolled it out with your teams, ensure that you have a process in place in order to make sure this is duplicated over and over again in order for the rest of these pieces that we're talking about, PPFs, performance review process, development plan, all of those things to really be held up and scale within your organization. So with that, can hardly wait to connect with you on next week's Work Woman. Be great, guys.